Today's scripture reading is from Prophet Isaiah chapter 40 verses 1 through 8 and the gospel according to Mark chapter 1 verses 1 through 8. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for her sins. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, and the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. The Gospel according to Mark. The beginning of good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They, will, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and they ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Well, good morning. It's good to be back with you for this second week of Advent. We're continuing our series, A Journey Through Darkness. And last week, we began with Jesus' example of being willing to step into the darkness, to sit with others in their darkness, to see our darkness and not look away. Advent begins in the dark. And it turns out that the gospel, too, begins in the dark. That second reading from Mark chapter 1 says... The beginning of the good news, the beginning of the gospel, is a voice in the wilderness, a messenger in the darkness. In one way or another, all four of our gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, begin in some way with John the baptizer, John the Baptist. And often week two of Advent focuses on John using these readings from Isaiah and from Mark or from Isaiah and Matthew. But John is strange. 
He's in many ways the antithesis of what we might call Christmas spirit. John is ascetic and abrasive, not merry and bright. Even so, we need to hear John's message. Always, but especially in this season of Advent. And it's not just John's voice that is calling from the darkness. There are many strange voices in the darkness that we should heed. So let us begin with this prayer. God, the voices of light come from places of darkness on the margins. They sound strange, unfamiliar, dissonant. Our ears are attuned to the shouts and whims of the crowd, of the powerful. They sound like truth. Retrain our ears to hear your still small voice in the wilderness. Amen. Think about a time when you were in near complete darkness. Not a metaphorical darkness necessarily, though that can often feel as oppressive or more oppressive than the literal dark. But think of a time when you were in literal darkness. Maybe it was a a camping trip on a moonless night or a, a tour through a cave or a waking up in the middle of the night and fumbling your way toward the kitchen for a glass of water. Complete darkness. What happens to our other senses when we're confronted with this kind of darkness? They begin to heighten, right? Because we can't see well, we start feeling with our hands. Or because we can't see well, we start paying attention to the smells that we can smell or the movement of the air around us. Our ears attune to noises in the darkness. Last week, I encouraged us to be willing to get down in the darkness. This week, we're being called to listen in the dark. But there's a practical difficulty in doing this. Even though our sense of hearing is naturally heightened when we get down in the darkness, the nature of our hearing, the the way that we hear, how we hear, isn't changed. And this can cause problems. This is what I mean. Our way of hearing, the the sounds that are understood by us quite naturally, our, our way of hearing is formed in us. It's conditioned in us. There's, of course, a genetic component to how well we hear, but our way of hearing is far more nurture than nature. Take our native languages, for example. 
The language we first learn as children affects our hearing as much as our speech. If your first language was a romance language, say French or Spanish, it's much easier for you to distinguish between other romance languages or even to learn them if you wanted to. Likewise, if your first language was a tonal language, say Mandarin or Vietnamese, you can hear tone and pitch in speech much better than those of us who have little, if any, experience with tonal languages. Did you know, for example, that according to one study, the number of children with near-perfect pitch is almost nine times higher among those whose first language is tonal than those whose first language isn't. All this means our hearing is conditioned in certain ways. We're conditioned to hear certain things better and more easily than others. So when we get thrown into darkness, or when we follow Jesus into the darkness, our sense of hearing is heightened, but the way we hear isn't. So it's like the volume gets turned up, but the same frequencies are coming through. And this can be a problem because the voices that are speaking in the darkness are often not the voices we're used to hearing. It's in the darkness that we start to hear strange voices uncomfortable messages. People who have been pushed into darkness by circumstance, by necessity, by oppression and marginalization. If we start to listen, we might find that these voices have been speaking from the darkness for a long time. Take Hagar. For example, Sarah's servant, whom she gave to Abraham as a wife because they were impatient, doubtful of God's promise of a child. Hagar calls from the darkness on behalf of all those who have been used, abused and discarded. If we listen, we hear her voice as the first one in scripture to name God. Genesis 16:13. Hagar gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Or consider the voice of Rachel, the representative mother of Israel, which shows up her voice in Jeremiah and again in Matthew. She's heard mourning and weeping 
for her children and refusing to be comforted, for they are no more. She calls from the darkness on behalf of all those who have lost children. Whether it's to exile in the book of Jeremiah or to infanticide in the book of Matthew or to miscarriage or illness or accident in our time. Or hear the mourners in the book of Lamentations as their city is destroyed and the land that God had promised them is now in their rear view. In the days of her affliction and wandering, Jerusalem remembers all the treasures that were hers in days of old. When her people fell into enemy hands, there was no one to help her. Her enemies looked at her and laughed at her destruction. All her people groan as they search for bread. They barter their treasures for food to keep themselves alive. These mourners call from the darkness on behalf of all those who know the ravages of war and the grief of displacement. And then there are Isaiah and John, voices in the wilderness, strange voices in the darkness. But like Hagar and Rachel and the lamenters, they're preparing the way of the Lord. Isaiah speaks a word of comfort when no comfort can be felt. Isaiah tells Israel, your hard service has been completed. Your sin has been paid for. You've received a double portion from the Lord's hand. But Israel's experience in this moment is only hard service. Exile because of sin and judgment with no end in sight. Isaiah 40 thematically echoes Isaiah chapter 9, where we hear another reading that often shows up at Advent. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. A light? has dawned? Not for those listening to Isaiah's prophecy who are still under this judgment of exile. Your hard service has been completed? Then why do I have to go back to my forced labor in exile tomorrow, Isaiah? Comfort, comfort my people and speak tenderly to them. These words are meant to comfort 
in circumstances where there is no comfort. Isaiah's message can easily sound like empty platitudes. Like when you've lost someone very close to you and a friend says to you, God has a plan. They're in a better place now. True enough, platitudes can be true, but unhelpful in the darkness. In the immediacy and overwhelm of grief, platitudes can be infuriating. Isaiah's message almost sounds like this. So why isn't it? Because the message is meant to be multivocal. It involves many voices listening and speaking to one another. It comes from God as a command, not just to Isaiah, but to all the people. The verbs in verse 1 of Isaiah 40 are all plural. So the idea is that Isaiah, along with the people of Israel, are meant to speak this word of comfort to one another and hear it from one another. The message of comfort comes from those in darkness to those in darkness. Words of comfort are empty when they don't come from the wisdom and experience of being in the darkness. And then Isaiah's message is also not empty because it comes with an admission of frailty and finality. Later in our passage, we heard a voice says, cry out. And Isaiah says, what shall I cry? All people are like grass. And the grass withers. This is a strange message to put alongside comfort, comfort my people. Isaiah's is a voice that knows it is in darkness and speaks into the darkness with a message that just hints at a glimmer of light that's still beyond the horizon. John gets even stranger. John speaks a word of rebuke to a generation that in John's terms is still walking in darkness. He's like the original fire and brimstone preacher, which is partly what makes him a strange voice for us in the 21st century because our ears 
if we're willing to hear rebuke at all, are only willing to hear rebuke in nice, gentle terms. John's abrasive. And his appearance makes him all the stranger. With his clothing made of camel's hair and the locusts he had for the lunch still stuck in his beard, John is strange. And then he calls for repentance, a turning from sin, and he's not afraid to point out that sin specifically. So in Matthew's gospel, John calls the religious leaders a brood of vipers and warns them that the axe is already at the root of the trees to cut them down. Later on in Mark, we learn that John was also willing to call out political leaders. He rebuked King Herod for committing adultery with his brother's wife, which eventually got John thrown in prison and beheaded. John doesn't pull any punches, which makes him both a prophet and strange. Because it's in the darkness that the voices of the prophets speak. John can be found in the darkness of the wilderness and heard calling out the darkness of sin among the people of Israel. Even John's location in the wilderness is itself a kind of strange voice as we remember Romans saying, all creation groans as it waits for this burden, this darkness to be lifted. But then there's one more, almost terrifying note in John's symphony of strangeness. As powerful as John's message seems, as fearless as he himself seems, as much as he seems like a Messiah figure, he says, after me comes one more powerful than I. When we hear these strange voices, what, what's our reaction? Whether they're voices from the past, like Hagar and Rachel, Isaiah or John, or voices in our present. What do we do when we hear voices that immediately make us defensive? That strike at the heart of our deepest held beliefs about ourselves? that challenge our politics or challenge our role in the church, that force us to acknowledge the brokenness in ourselves and around us, that force us to confront our own mortality, voices that ask us even to take comfort in our frailty and mortality. 
They're dissonant voices. They're jarring, off-putting, strange. My first reaction is to deny them, to brush them off, because they're, they're not speaking my language. Or maybe we rationalize them or try to make them a little more palatable. Maybe we try to talk over them or shine a feeble flashlight on them to brighten them up a little bit. But Advent's calling us to listen. So maybe our ears need retraining. Maybe one gift of this season of waiting, of darkness, is the opportunity to unlearn some of the familiarity of the voices in our echo chambers. Maybe we even have an opportunity to turn those voices off for a little while. Even if they're good voices. We get to read stories from scripture that we often don't read. We have an opportunity to listen for words that are hard to hear. And if we do, we maybe start to hear the drumbeat of another world. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And that will turn our world upside down. So it's no wonder the voices sound strange. But these strange voices in the darkness are voices of light. Or more importantly, they're voices that point to the light. Ultimately, Isaiah and John are signs of what's to come. They point beyond themselves and even beyond their message because the one that they point to is over and beyond all things. In the end, John's message of repentance and expectation falls away. In the end, even Isaiah's message of comfort and hope will fall away. Because it's the Word, with a capital W, the Word that endures forever. And it's the Word that Isaiah and John are pointing to. The Word that steps into the darkness and also speaks a word of comfort to those living in darkness and a word of challenge to those who think themselves living in the light. If we don't listen to the strange voices in the darkness, to the lamenters and the prophets, will we be able to listen 
to the one who comes after, the one who is more powerful, whose sandals we're not even worthy to untie, the one who will baptize with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Listening leads us to the light. Let us pray. Father, we ask that even in this moment, that you would open our ears that we might hear from you, that we might hear from you even in the voices that we hear around us. We pray you would retune our ears to your voice. In Jesus' name, amen.